this morning, uh, direct our attention to this passage of Scripture. Uh, I know this is kind of a Thanksgiving, a harvest time for you. And, um, and let's pray just before I begin. Father, thank you this morning for gathering us here. We pray that your best and highest purposes for this time would be accomplished. Father, I pray that in your manifest presence we would find great joy. And Father, that you would increase the authority of the Word of God in our lives. Father, we open ourselves to the ministry of that Word and to your Holy Spirit. We close ourselves off to any other spirit. And Father, we pray over this time, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get feedback. I can get that here. No, I'll be all right. Okay, uh, just thinking about it for a second. You know, when you think about New York, you might think about we, Mary and I, live in the suburbs of New York City. And, you know, there's these New York expressions. Like, even if you go from, say, Queens into Brooklyn, it says, Brooklyn, forget about it. I mean, that's how they advertise the, as you move into uh, Brooklyn from Queens, forget about it. They also have an expression like the whole nine yards. Um, I'm not sure what that means, but it means all of it. Uh, like the, we did the whole nine yards. You know, we went to Spain and we went to every major city. We did the whole nine yards. What are some expressions that kind of fall off your lips around here? Things that you say that just kind of are emblematic, you know, things that, you know, they could be British sayings. They could be sayings that are kind of unique to, the, uh, to those who were living here in Spain, but just things that kind of come off your lips, things that you'd be known for saying. Well, I was sitting with Dave for a little while yesterday, and I would say brilliant is a, uh, something that uh, came off his lips a couple of times as we were talking. How about something else? What's that? Tidy? Ah, okay, for, for those from, okay, if you're Welsh. And our senior pastor is uh, not from Wales, but he has a Welsh name, and it's in his background there, Pastor Ayers. <laughs> really? Yeah, okay. <laughs> how, about, how about something else? So something, some expression that just kind of happens a lot, you know, you say it around here. No way, okay. <laughs> we say that too. Well, I'm hoping to add an expression to your vocabulary today, something that you will say over and over again. And it's kind of the last part uh, of what was read this morning because they set up this stone of remembrance, and when they were all done, they set it up and they said, thus far has the Lord helped us. Can you say that? Thus far has the Lord helped us. See, God knew that we had a tendency to forget and, of course, when the Israelites went from the promised land, into the promised land from the desert, they piled up these stones, right? These 12 stones, one for each tribe. And, of course, all the Christian churches all over the world celebrate the Lord's Supper. And these elements that God has given us, the bread and the fruit of the vine, these elements, what do we say even when we celebrate? Do this in remembrance of me. And God knows that we have a tendency to forget. And so he is giving us these things so that we might remember. Do this in remembrance of me. Thus far has the Lord helped us. And so when we think about this stone that Samuel had set up there, 
we might think of like there was a large rock, and, and the word in the Hebrew means a pointy rock. And maybe it was just laying on its side, and he had some people like push it up so that it looked kind of like a sign. And maybe he put some rocks around it to hold it into place so that it would stay there. And he says, we're setting up this stone of remembrance, and he's saying, thus far, thus far has the Lord helped us. There was a great need. God met that need. Let's testify to what he did with this Ebenezer, this stone of remembrance. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. And, you know, we might remember, we might remember that hymn that was written by a Brit, uh, Robert Robinson, Come Now Font, Fount of Every Blessing. And uh, he said, Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure to safely, safely to arrive at home. And you know, some modern hymnals actually take Ebenezer out of that, because they figure people don't know anything about what an Ebenezer is, and so they put, here I raised to thee an altar, but this wasn't an altar. Samuel didn't sacrifice anything on this. It was not an altar. It was a stone of remembrance. It was a pointy stone, because... Thus far, the Lord has helped us. And that's kind of one thing that we've been doing here, even this morning, this weekend, is thanking God, remembering his good works, remembering what he's done, looking back. Sometimes God does things, and you know, one of the, well, I have to say, just as a personal thing, I wrote in my prayer journal the word notice with an exclamation point, just that I would think about what God is doing, because sometimes God is at work and he's doing stuff, but we don't even think about it. We don't even notice it. Notice. Notice. And times like this, Sundays like this, give us an opportunity to do that. Ebenezer's are an assurance to our hearts. They're also for, for those that we're testifying to, to the generations to come. They're an encouragement to those that we love and need, something that we can say in our household. Thus far has the Lord helped us. Ebenezer's, these stones of remembrance, are also a warning to God's enemies that we're not walking through life alone. He is on our side. Our helper, our help is in the Lord. And for the unbelieving world, they're a testimony that God is at work in this world today. You know, it's nice to know that we don't have to, when we're sharing about the Lord with other people, we don't have to try to appear perfect. Because all we have to say is, hey, thus far the Lord has helped us. We're not done yet. We're not perfect yet. We know God's still at work in our lives, but thus far has the Lord helped us. Now, if you, if I gave you all a piece of paper shaped like a rock of remembrance, what do you think you would put on there and under it write, thus far, the Lord has helped us. For some, just the overwhelming, continual faithfulness of the Lord over a long period of time. And you'd say, thus far, has the Lord helped us. And for others, it might resemble the circumstances of this scripture. You might say that there was a great battle, not a physical battle perhaps, but maybe a battle where the enemy was a habit or a life-controlling habit or substance, so life-controlling that in the past we would say we lost battle after battle after battle to that, but now 
by God's help, thus far has the Lord helped us. And it may not have been that kind of enemy, but it might have been a disease, something that has been a very difficult and hard circumstance. But we're on the other side of it now, and we look back, and we say, thus far has the Lord helped us. And maybe we're right in the middle of the struggle. And we haven't seen the full victory yet. But we can say, thus far has the Lord helped us. These past victories bring glory to the Lord and confidence to those who are putting their faith in him. And even as we look to the past to remember these, we, the, the proper use of an Ebenezer is to guide us about our future. It's to guide us about our future. Now, if, I don't know, this is a little obscure in the passage here, but as we look at this, it says that he set up this stone when the Israelites were chasing the Philistines. They chased them from Mizpah to beth Okay, And if we were going to put that into the current uh, topography here, we'd say... They, they chased the Philistines from Torah Vehehoth. Nah. <laughs> now you got me messed up. <laughs> from here to Cartagena. And Samuel set up a rock of remembrance on the road from here to Alicante saying, thus far has the Lord helped us. Why did he do that? He didn't want to make a shrine out of the battlefield. He didn't want to say, oh, this is where God was great. He put the stone not where the victory occurred, but he put the stone not where they were, but where they were going, so that they would see it and remember it and say, thus far has the Lord helped us. Not that God was great once, and soon he'll come back and he'll be great again, But guess what? God is great now. Expect something from him now. And he didn't say, this is where the Lord helped us. He said, thus far the Lord has helped us. And so an Ebenezer is not an endpoint. It's pointing the way forward because thus far has the Lord helped us. Thus far has the Lord helped us. We're on a journey, we're moving, and we have this monument of faith. And you know, it's so important that we mark out these times because, see, our lives have to overflow into the generations to come. What's happening, the victories that God brings in our life are not just for our benefit, but they're to show the generations to come the glory of God Even as the psalmist wrote, O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. From my youth you taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. We want the generation to come to know that our God is a great and an awesome and God. And to those who are in that generation, who are here this morning, I would say, do not let your spiritual heritage be a burden, but let it be a foundation 
And let history be your servant, not your master. Not your master. So we set up stones. Well, perhaps, and how will we do that? Well, we might keep a record of great things that God has done, answer prayer. We may even have a, like a website that says all the great things that God has done at ICA, Torre Viejo. Am I getting better? I don't know, the girls were laughing at me when I was doing this before. <laughs> at the Vieja. Got it. Okay. But I got something else. I got another more personal way to say that. I think it really has a big impact on where you are right now. In 1 Peter 2, the Apostle Peter writes, and you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, that's Jesus, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Guess what? You're the Ebenezers. You're the living stones. And God has placed you where he's placed you so that you can testify to the great things that God has done in your life and to be a testimony of God's work in your life. He has purposely placed you in the way of those around you. Here in Spain, God places you not in the place where all the battles were fought, but where others can see you and be influenced for the Lord. Your life elevates the name of Jesus and gives testimony to the fact that thus far has the Lord helped us. And I want to say this, that story about what God did in your life 15 years ago, it might be perfect for today. It might be. But I want to say... We need, a, we need people to know, if that's all you got, you're stuck. If thus far the Lord has helped us for you, is like, yeah, pretty much where I was last year and the year before, nah, it's not going to cut it. Because the world needs to know that God is real right now. And God wants to use you now and each day. God used a word that meant appointed stone. And time kind of rounds us off and makes us less... Uh, we're not going to have that pointed testimony to the world if we're not continually receiving from God and then testifying to what he has done. I am with you always, Jesus said. So we need to keep on the move for God so that we have a pointed story of God at work in our lives today and so that we can declare his power to the next generation. Well, maybe you'd feel like, well, I'm not sure I'm, if I can really expect that kind of action in my life from God. I feel like I'm kind of falling short. Well, if we have more time to look back into that passage today, you'd see these Israelites were not living great, faith-filled, wholesome lives up to that point. They were not living perfectly, but at this point they had been living repentantly. They had gone, they had taken the ark into battle thinking we have our our talisman, our spiritual idol here, and they took it into battle against the Philistines right before this. What happened? The ark was captured. The Israelites were defeated in battle. And so they weren't perfect people. But at this point, they were repentant people. When they came back to God in repentance, he said, let me show you what I can do. And he thundered on their behalf. 
He thundered on their behalf. So if you're stuck, you don't have to stay that way. If we're repentant people, if we walk in faith, we will see God's victories. Thus far has the Lord helped us. We had a teaching one time several years ago um, about just crying out to the Lord. And as you go through the Psalms, and the, especially the Old Testament, I mean, even the New Testament, you see that God does great things when people cry out to him. And so we were on a retreat, and at this point in our lives, Mary had shared that we have four daughters, and our third oldest daughter got married first. And uh, she married uh, someone 11 years older than her, and, uh, and it turned out, you know, Mary's dad was 11 years older than her mom. It kind of paved the way, you know, we, and you know, we were okay with this. And so our third oldest daughter got married first. And then our second oldest daughter got married. And so you probably know where this story's going. Our oldest daughter, and she didn't make it easy. I mean, she's a beautiful girl, but she was in medical school, and then she joined the Air Force, and, you know, she could be assigned to Greenland or something, you know. And, and so, and she, you know, wasn't having much time to look around. And, but she was really upset that there was, like, nothing, you know. The, the man radar was just not showing any blips at all. And, and as we were in a service there, and we're talking about crying out to the Lord, God just prompted me, he said, cry out for a husband for your daughter, Beth. And I felt like it's such a loser prayer. You know, my daughter, my daughter can't get a husband, and so I got to cry out for this, you know? I really felt that. And what it was, it was pride. I was embarrassed. But I did it. I cried out to the Lord. And God sent Greg. And they got married, and they're doing great, and God just worked everything out in a miraculous way. And, and then they had a beautiful son, Michael. And uh, I have to say, when you name my, you know, I felt a special attachment to him, wanted, made me want to be a better man, to have somebody named after me. And uh, now we have five grandsons and three granddaughters. Uh, Michael was their first child, and they wanted more children, and they tried and they tried and they weren't having any success, and and so my daughter and Greg decided that they would try like this in like hormone therapy, and I don't understand it, but it kind of makes you more able to get pregnant, and so they were doing this and trying all these things, and I guess they, you know you're always kind of sensitive to like one of the you know all the things that go on with that and kind of takes the fun out of that. And, but they got pregnant, and at Christmas time, two years ago, we were rejoicing with Beth that they were, she was expecting. And then in February, we were away, and we got word that she lost the baby. And we really couldn't talk to her where we were, but it wouldn't have made any difference because she didn't want to talk to us. She was angry. And even upset with God, like, why do you give me this baby that I wanted so much and then take it away? How can, why do you do that? Why do you do that? And it took her a while before she kind of, you know, she just, I just want to be alone. I don't want to talk to anybody. 
And about two months later, I mean, we had talked to her since then, but about two months later, we get a phone call. We're expecting again. The good old-fashioned way. <laughs> and I'm telling you that because God gets the credit. I don't have any problem if somebody has, you know, I know I'm not telling you what to do, you know, because they had done some of those other enhancements. But I just think God, in this case, wanted to get all the glory. didn't want to share it with a doctor or a procedure. And she got pregnant. And last December 22nd, we welcomed into the world our granddaughter, Eliana, which means the Lord heard my cry. The Lord heard my cry. Three months later, we are, we're away. I mean, just, we were away. We get a call from Beth, and she said, Eliana has a very serious infection that in her leg that has attached itself to her bone, and it's very serious. In fact, so serious. She lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is a fairly big city. They wouldn't even treat it there. They took her to a medical center where they have this high-tech uh, pediatric unit, and Beth is staying with her uh, so they could give her the treatment that she needed. And they said the infection is eating away the growth plate on her bone, and it is actually looks like somebody took a bite out of her leg joint, you know, her knee joint. And, and so we're praying. We're praying. And, and so they released her from the hospital finally, and they said it'll be a couple months before we know what, uh, what's going on with her knee. Well, we get to the point where the x-ray came, and the orthopedist said, I've never seen a more perfect leg joint. She's perfectly healthy. And now she's, what, 10 months old? And she's nine months old, and she's walking. Uh, she, we just got a little video the other day from her that she's walking around. And so what am I saying? Thus far, the Lord helped us. He helped us with a husband for our daughter. He helped us with a child. He helped us with her health. And I'm saying, you know, life, and you know, you've lived a long time, most of you. You know that life has its challenges, and just when one is over, something else comes up. But what can you say except, thus far has the Lord helped us? And I don't know, some of you may say, well, right now I don't see it. But trust in the God who loved you enough to die for you, that thus far has the Lord helped us. But thus far isn't the only place he's going to take you. He's going to take you farther on, farther on. Now this morning, some of you might be saying, you know, I, I don't know. I'm looking at what others are getting, and all I say is don't be envious of what God is doing through others or in others' lives. He loves you. Turn to him. Your thus far marker will be moved far ahead in the year to come. We're not perfect, but we can say thus far has the Lord helped us. We've been disobedient in the past. There is no way that we can just claim our own righteousness before God, but praise God, thus far the Lord has helped us. 
And we still have a ways to go, but we can say with confidence, thus far has the Lord helped us. And we're still involved in some battles, some of which we wish were over a long time ago. But we can say, thus far has the Lord helped us. And we've not gotten everything done on the Lord's agenda. But as we hand it off to the next generation, we want to be able to say, thus far has the Lord helped us. Just want to end with a two specific applications. Maybe there's some who are saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. But you know what? Where you are, God didn't put you there. That isn't where God wants you to be. Maybe you're in a place of unforgiveness or bitterness. Maybe you're in a place where you have been proud or unwilling to take some next step that God has marked out for you. And you can't say thus far the Lord has helped us because you know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But I do want to say this. The God who loves you, if you're still drawing breath, God has a place for you. And the other group that I would say is some of you would say, the thought of God as your helper is so foreign to you. And you're, the, you're not saying the Lord has helped us, but you could be. Maybe you're just kind of hoping for the best. The picture you see of God is maybe God looking down, maybe his arms folded, but basically you think, you know, I'm on my own. Sometimes you really want to please God, at other times he may seem irrelevant or even hostile to your happiness. But the cross assures us that that is not the case. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He entered this world. He gave himself for sin, for your sin, and for mine. And repentance means to stop trusting in what we can do to get to God and received by faith his gift of eternal life in Christ. He has paid the price for your admission. He even got you here today to hear about these Ebenezers. He has helped you to get under the teaching of the Word of God. And he invites you to walk with him, to follow him through life as your Lord, your good shepherd. My... Um, Second daughter, Molly, moved to Indiana last year, farther away than she had lived from us. And, and she, her oldest son, who's six, Sammy, was such good friends with her oldest grandson, Jake, who's seven. And Jake called up Sammy the other day and said, Sammy, I'm coming out to visit you. And he hasn't seen him. He hasn't ever visited him out there in Indiana in a whole year. And Sammy and Jake were so close, and Sammy was on the phone when Jake called him, doing the dance of joy, saying, oh, this is so great, Jake is coming. And more than that, while they're out there, Jake, who's seven, is going to turn eight. And so as soon as he hung up the phone, he grabbed a yellow pad, he's six, and he says, Mom, we got to plan the greatest birthday party for Jake, because he's going to be here on his birthday and we got to plan the greatest party for him. What are we going to do? Now, where did that come from? Well, you know what? 
He loves Jake. And he wants, it's so good that they're going to be face to face again. And he wants to make that the most special thing. And I want to say this, that your Bible says that when someone who's far from God turns back and comes to him, angels are rejoicing. God's up in heaven with a yellow pad saying, how can we make this a special party because someone who we hadn't seen, someone who was far from me, has come back home. So I want to encourage you, don't stay in a place far from God. That's not where he intends you to live. He wants you to walk with him so that you can say, each day, through whatever God is leading you through, thus far has the Lord helped us. Imagine, imagine what God can do with a people that are recklessly abandoned to him, who say, as long as God gives me breath, I am going to keep moving forward for Christ and testify to this world and to the generation to come thus far has the Lord helped us. Let's pray together.